All right, everyone, welcome back. This is Saul for Wise Vlogcast, episode number 49. We are now one episode away from season's one finale that will conclude season one, and there'll be a new show, potentially a new co-host, if I have my way. Mm. Berkey will no longer be here. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll bring Jungle Man. I don't know. I am excited for the end of the season. I'm looking forward to season two, as I hope you are. If you enjoyed this season, hit the subscribe button, like us, hit the little bell icon. You can know when we go live. Put up a new show every time. I will be streaming today. At this point, you have already seen my stream. Hopefully, I've already won a tournament. And that tournament actually gets to be completed because last time I streamed, I won the tournament, but I cut it off. Shit happens. Anyway, I am joined, of course, by Matt Berkey. He looks way different today than he normally does. He's shaved. He's gotten completely soft. Mm -hmm. um, hello, Berkey. How are you? Soft, huh? How'd you sleep today, Berk? I slept good. Nice. Slept in. I saw. Is that okay? You know what time it is? 10 a.m. Early. The grind never stops. Monday morning. Mondays are the best breakfast. Gotta love Mondays. Sauna's on. Today's leg day. Grind never stops. See what Berkey's doing this morning. How he's feeling. going on man stay hard the best fucking goggins huh i hate fucking goggins dude. <laughs> I, I i really do like i get it i mean he lost 100 pounds in three months that's fucking sick first of all losing 100 pounds in three months seems nearly impossible like he stopped he like stopped eating he had a banana in the morning that was it yeah and then just like never stopped moving throughout the day he failed that first Navy SEAL test, though. Then he yeah. then he tried again, and then well, he got hurt. Well, you know, he got he, hurt twice. Yeah, you're gonna get hurt. You haven't eaten anything. No, it wasn't a food thing. So what happened? He oh, like he, his body like literally broke down. Yeah, he was one, once he made weight, he was obviously eating normal, but like he, he just like physically shattered himself the first two attempts, and the third time he was hurt pretty badly too. But he powered through because they said it was his last last shot. Last shot you got. Yeah, so you could have done it the first time. Maybe. That's the I don't remember. I, I feel like he was in the he hospital. He wasn't hard enough the first time. Maybe not. <laughs> no, that's what happened. He wasn't I think he... I remember him being in the hospital after the first attempt. Mm. I don't remember from what. Like, it wasn't like an exhaustion thing. Yeah. What was it? You think he just got soft? Like, soft hospital? <laughs> he went to the soft hospital. <laughs> I don't know. He's not my style, but, like, I, I respect. That's because you're soft as fuck, soft man. Soft as fuck. Get the fuck out of here. Look at this paint. I made this shit. All right? I've been through this. Okay. I've been through all this pain. You have no idea what a 10 is. You've never made that face. Shit. Shit. You don't know, man. You don't know. I hope that video showed you nicely today. Showed you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah really. Got, got your morning going. It really, <laughs> really spurned me into action. Well, that's that's how exactly how you felt this morning. Yeah. You laughed. That's yeah. how I feel when I see David Goggins running around. Stay hard. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, I get it. Fucking lost 100 pounds in three months. 
it. Like, it's not that he lost 100 pounds in three months. He's a premier athlete now. Yeah. This guy runs 100 miles in 24 hours with no problems. That's what's up, man. I, uh, I commend him. You know, that's good. <laughs> Whatever, man. It's not my style. Not my style. But I, 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 I like the fact that people find inspiration in him. And people like, you what know, is your style? I like not having this like, oh, I am just like a warrior and I have blinders on like this. And like, I get it. Like, I think for yourself, you have to like ask like, okay, why am I doing this? Like, what is my deep seated reason for doing this? And then answer that to yourself and that'll get you up in the morning. Like, I don't, maybe that's how Goggins works, but like, I don't see, like, it doesn't translate to me, like, how he just, like, gets up because he's hard. You know, it's like, okay. No, like, I that's think cool. the exact opposite. I think his deep-seated why is precisely that. It's 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 the idea that if you're not pushing forward, you're falling back. Mm. And I also think that, like, I don't know. I, I don't want to poke holes in this, but, like, your vantage point is, is pretty easily collapsible. Oh, Well, it's just, like, you know, it, it's it's... It, it opens up a very broad door for complacency. Why? I because so. you wake up in the morning with a certain reason and a certain you, you do things because you want to like there's something inside of you that's pushing you to do it. If not, then if you're doing it for yourself only, then like you you could say like, oh, I don't want to do it today. That's my point. Mm. That's complacency. I don't think so. Why? Why would that be complacent? Like if you're if you're pushing for a greater goal or because like you've been through things or like people have done things for you to get you to the point you are, why would you be complacent? Because that's just human nature. Like it's easy to, to shoot for a goal and then settle for good enough. Mm. I think, I think it's, I think it's easier for you to let yourself down than let like everyone else that has helped you get to your point down. I, I mean, that's, that's probably an individual's point of view i think yeah. certain people are more selfish than that certain people are more selfless that's what that. i'm saying everybody's different that's why i don't really roll with like the goggins because it's well, like goggins is coming from a very self-motivated standpoint okay so i'm confused i think we're saying the same thing and not landing on at the same uh, uh i mean i guess i guess like what i'm saying is that the the fragility of painting things through the through the lens of uh i'm gonna do this whether it's for yourself or for a greater good or for other people or whatever, mm. uh, whatever you're utilizing as validation is largely going to crumble. I think the reason why I, I, I like Goggins' approach is because it doesn't excuse the, the crumbling. So it may acknowledge that it's going to happen, mm. but by anchoring yourself in this simple concept of staying hard. One of the keys to my success in life was I was able to see myself at the end of a very difficult task before I even started it. When I was 297, out of shape and afraid of water, I was able to see myself at graduation as a Navy SEAL. But as time went on, I kept on getting rolled back to day one. And every day got longer and longer. So what I had to do was I had to take this big chunk and make it small. So I became the master of the one day that I was living. We have to do that now. We don't know when the end is coming to this. So we got to master that one day. 
It may keep on getting pushed back day after day. If you master that day and want to be harder and stronger, you'll figure it out. Stay hard. You can, you have a very tangible metric to measure things by. So it's like literally tangibly, did I do everything in my capacity today to be better than yesterday? Yeah, I think we're saying the same thing. Maybe. Uh, because like, I agree with that. It's like things in your life are going to happen, right? Like a storm will come yeah. and you have to ride that out and then keep going. Like right. that's just how it works, right? Like, yeah, I think we're saying the same thing in like a different way. Like this time I'm like the intellectual and you're just saying like, stay hard. You know, like that's fine. Everyone has roles today. Well, we play it's not that role. it's, it's, I mean, that's fine. I don't think that this is a, a an arena to apply thought. Mm. So I think like that's kind of the beauty, the simplicity of the of the mantra of stay hard. It's just like just put your nose to the grindstone and do it. Don't think. Yeah, yeah. And I think that like human beings and the brain and everything else just run into issues whenever you add layers of complexity to pain points. Yeah, I think that's true. I think I think it's like you know I saw some of like his stuff this morning and he was like, oh, you know. You got to get a trainer and you got to do all these things like you're putting too much effort into it. It's like, just get out there and walk. It's like, I, I get it. I think that's I think that's a good way to do it, too. It's like, you know, but I think that only gets you so far. Like at the end of the day, like you still have to think like, OK, like how am I actually going to break this down? How am I going to do this? Like whatever. And he did it at some point, too. He calculated how much, how many calories he needed to burn to burn those hundred pounds, you know. So I think that's cool. Yeah, maybe. That's your man, though. That's all good, man. I don't want to take shots at your man. I get it. <laughs> All right, well, now that you guys have uh, a brief overview of how our day usually goes, let's get into the podcast, man. Um, Jungle Man played Phil Galfond. That was Did this. you read the text I sent you? No. Nah. What'd you say? You didn't want to talk about it? We're going to talk about it. It doesn't matter. Wait, let me read What'd you say? Let me see. You guys want me to read it out loud? I'm not putting off another day of recording this no. vlogcast. <laughs> The one I sent you last night. Ah, okay. Intro segment, which was David Goggins, right? I guess this is now David. I didn't even plan that intro, but let's talk about it. Promote the price drop, guys. We're going to talk about the promote the price drop. $9.99 is the new software TV. Let's talk about the new price drop. I'm still nervous about it. I am excited about it, but I'm very nervous about it. And it seems like we're getting a lot of traction on it. I think we are up to now our peak subscriber base yeah. uh, at this point. And you're getting a lot of you're getting a lot of questions. Uh, I, I'm getting a lot of questions, too, of like, what do I watch? Uh, where do I find MTT stuff? How do I sift through all this content? Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, obviously... A lot of people are new to it, so it's it's kind of a good thing. But uh, we're working on sending out a revised version of what everybody should be looking for whenever they are uh, first coming into the site. So basically, there's like two paths you can take. It's either broken down by course, original content, and masterminds, or you can go to the guided training section where it's broken down by content. So there's like entry-level content, uh, I should be better at knowing what the actual labels of uh, each tier are. But effectively, we broke it down by uh, like mental game, game theory, um, uh, effectively like more mechanical mm -hmm. introduction to things and more abstract points of view. 
So I think all of those things will give people a pretty good guided reference as to like what points they should enter and how they should navigate through. Um, I think that the bigger challenge for us is figuring out ways to fit in the new content we're going to create without like confusing the audience because we're not going to be doing courses for a few months at least. Well, with the exception of, I was going to get to that. So we have a new, a new man on our team, a lot more emotional than you. You're a very logical, linear thinker. That's like, I think that most would put up an argument against that. You know, well, you're a very logical theorist, right? Not very like feel things, right? Like here, where are you going? I'm going with this somewhere. Yesterday, we filmed the first of a new course with our latest edition, Jason Sue. And it was about a lot of like emotional learning, a lot of uh, transitioning from live to online and the platform that he's putting forth as well as a new book and in our course about that. How did you how did you find that first introduction to what the new content that we'll be putting out with him? Um, it's good. I, I think the first, the first, uh, video is going to be a little bit slow. It's kind of a podcast feel to it. Uh, but I think it lays the groundwork for what the rest of the course is going to be. So Jason was a former Academy student of ours. Uh, he's been a long time professional for 13, 14 years, something of that nature. Um, and has done a lot of work in the EQ development realm. Mm-hmm. So I thought he was a good person to partner with. Uh, specifically around this concept of transitioning from online to live. The backbone of the course is basically going to be taking a few realms uh, or analyzing it, I guess, through a few lenses and finding the best way to prepare people to make this shift for what may be the next six to 12 months, depending Mm -hmm. on how long, uh, you know, live poker, as we know, it is kind of shut down. His new book called Poker with Presence, The Final 15%. And when we spoke to him yesterday, he's really excited about the book, as well as he seems like as if if you're not at the top of the food chain, you are just like done, you know? Yeah. I feel like you've thought that also for some time. Do you still stand by that? Because a lot of people are still winning. Um. Well, I think that's true for the long term. I don't share his same short term uh, urgency, I guess. Um, I do think it's very critical for anybody who's going to be shifting realms from live to online that they should have a sense of urgency of learning the new environment and really training themselves and calibrating to something that's so foreign. But I think long term, you don't have to be the absolute best in your realm in order to survive. You just need to be striving towards wanting to be at that level in order to survive. That'll keep you far enough ahead of the curve, I think that you'll be able to profit for a long period of time. But yeah, effectively, like, you know, even if you're finding pretty soft online games, just transitioning from live to online, there's going to be a massive hit to your win rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, whatever whatever you were able to, uh, I guess, like, perform at in the live arena, it's it's very likely to take a significant hit whenever you move online because you're going to be up against more technically sound players. Mm-hmm. So the ways that you were making your EV in the live arena just aren't really going to exist in online and the ways that you were losing EV 
in the live arena are now going to be amplified whenever you transition online. When you say the ways you were winning winning EV live don't transition online, what does that mean? Uh, largely speaking, I think that people who are exclusively live players are pretty good at, um, I guess, like unconscious competence. Mm. So there's just a certain calibration that's taking place to their intuition that aligns with the arena that they're in. So they've played enough hands against certain player types or personalities or whatever the case may be to have a decent feel for what their frequencies are with certain sizes, on certain textures, on certain streets, mm -hmm. uh, when pots reach a certain threshold. And they navigate those situations pretty fluidly in spite of the fact that if we were just to look at it from a theoretical standpoint, they're making pretty big mistakes. So largely speaking, they're exploitatively calibrated to the player types that they play against. Yeah. When you transition that into online, though, those exploits aren't going to work because the mistakes aren't anywhere near the same. It's not a one-to-one -one transition. And instead, a lot of those exploits are going to blow up in uh, the live player's face and cost them a lot of money due to the lack of their technical soundness. Yeah, one of the things that we spoke about yesterday was like all the people that we know to be like live MTT pros just like posting like, oh, I won this on ACR, I won this on ACR. Yeah. But there's probably a lot of people that are silent right now that are not like posting. You know, one of the funny posts today was like, if you didn't post the lobby win, did you even play right. type of thing? Uh, I think that was Brian Pacioli. Yeah, I, I was really intrigued by by Jason because it seems as if he has a pretty decent pulse on the general outlook of that people are kind of like turning a blind eye to. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, we're just going to wake up and we're going to play online and it's going to be fine because we're pros and we've done this for 10 years and, and everything's going to be fine. And then in 12 months, we'll just go back to Bellagio and it's everything's going to be okay, which might happen, but they don't account for, you know, maybe the 40% of the time that that doesn't happen. Right. You know, and it might be greater than that or it might be lower than that, but simple, simple mathematics say that it's not a hundred percent that it doesn't happen. Yeah. I think my biggest interest is developing frameworks for which our viewers can basically set themselves up for success, be that business uh, constructs where they're figuring out like what they can invest in the online realm, how much time they can invest, uh, you know, all of these things that are necessary in order to operate a profitable business, or be it uh, training methodologies where it's like, okay, well, I'm not so technically sound in these specific arenas. So I'd like to shine my attention now on figuring out how I can get better at these things that haven't been hurting me in the live realm. I think Jason is uh, a nice addition for the calibration process. Mm -hmm. So he's pretty good at striking a balance between poker IQ and poker EQ and demonstrating to people how they can get into their flow state, how they can spend a little bit more uh, energy and effort in pulling themselves out of a negative situation. I think all of these things are really critical, especially when you're caught in the online grime, you can just fall down the vortex mm -hmm. where it's like you're four hours in, you're buried, you're not going anywhere. You have no idea if it's a good game or not. You have no idea if you're winning in this spot or not. You're just kind of sucked into the reality of you're not going to quit until you get even. That ever happened to you? All the time. I hate online for that reason. <laughs> Why do you wait? You spoke about this yesterday, actually, uh, a little bit, where was you were talking about like online Sometimes it's a little bit better because you could go take a cold shower 
But, oh yeah. But live, you're just like stuck there. You can't you can't leave unless you go for a walk. Which live might be is like, at least slow enough where like you can kind of stew and get over it, mm. and like not have a hand in front of you. Online is so fast that it's like it's really critical to have those environmental disruptors where you do something to change your physiology, right? Where it's just like your mind will gravitate towards whatever it is that you're hyper-focused on. And if it was like taking a beat or uh, the fact that your session is compiling a bunch of shitty scenarios to you or whatever the case may be, uh, your brain will fixate on that and it'll steer down that rabbit hole. And the only way to really correct it is to change your physiology to give your brain something else to, to, to focus on. So like being online, it's nice to just like recognize like, okay, I'm not only am I like not locked in, but I'm the exact opposite. I'm locked into the wrong things. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to sit out. I'm going to take a two to five minute break. And like literally something as simple as like taking a cold shower or hopping in the pool or, you know, doing a couple sets of push up, anything that's going to change your physiology will get you back into a point where at least like you're somewhat clear minded. You look so different, man. You look like super high roller bowl Berkey, like. got the hair oh, back on you got I'm shaving the, it soon. the clean cutness like don't uh don't get used to it i'm definitely shaving my no, head no it looks good on you you look like a million dollar berkey it's like. it's uh it's summer man it's too much maintenance to have hair no it looks good on you man like acknowledge it i mean it's I, fine I'm not, I'm not a fan i really i think i look it's weird i thought i looked very old with the beard and i think i look too young with the hair if i could do it in reverse but what's wrong with that just do both no i would have shaved the head and kept the beard no, you I wanna, went the other way. You want to look like you know, somebody that rides a motorcycle. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's usually what you they You shave your head. No, I'll do it for a price. <laughs> I'll do it for a price, man. Everything has a price. So Maybe let, I'll work that into the bet eh, if you don't make it. I don't, I don't know if I'm not going to make it. We'll see. Uh, all right. Fridays. We have a new show premiering for the new people. Some of the some of our loyalists would already have seen this, but yeah. for the new people, 2018, we filmed a very unique product. It was our heads up challenge. Yep. Had a lot of famous people. <laughs> sure. Farrah Goffin was in it. Farrah Goffin was in it. She's a famous person. She is famous. Matt Berkey was in it. Oh uh, yeah. Famous. I didn't last very long. Famous. Spoiler alert. Russell Thomas was in it. True story. And Kitty Cow. Why? That's my show. Mm -hmm. Okay. Russell Thomas was in it. Yep. WSOP main event final table is. That's right. Famous. Yep. Was Jesse Sylvia in it? Yeah. Jesse Sylvia was in it. WSOP main event final table is. Mm. Second place. Mm. Famous. Sure. Justin Young was in it. Yep. Gangsta. Not that famous. Not that famous. Kitty Cow was in it. Hella famous. <laughs> Especially in Asia. She she says it all the time. Yeah. She's like, I'm famous Asia. Yeah. I am. Okay. Johnny Vibes was in it. Yep. YouTube famous. That's right. There's a lot of famous people in there, man. And they're all battling each other. Nick Howard was in it too. He played Jordan Young. At the time, they were fighting over something very specific. Maybe a girl. Maybe not. I don't know. That was a very unique heads up challenge. Mm. That was a real fight. I just say how it is, man. <laughs> I just say how it is. You know, there was some shit going down at the time. 
I don't want to allegedly. Okay. And it is, it is what it is, man. Shit's real out here. I, this is the realest fucking podcast, man. I don't hold no punches. They played heads up. I don't remember who won. The, 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 right, the right person won, probably. And it was, a really, it was a really fun product, actually. Like, I'm really proud of that product. It was uh, one of the... I don't think it's ever been done before. And I, I like the fact that everyone gets to see it now. Yeah, I wanted I want to bring it back. That was kind of one of the reasons why I moved it to YouTube. I think it's something that we can do again in the future as a live event, maybe partnering with Andre. Uh, we actually did partner with Run It Up mm -hmm. for this one that, that we're about to launch. And what we're going to show is the actual uh, produced version that Pigtails created. So I think it's pretty cool. I think that it's something we could do again in the future. Uh, hopefully sometime this year, if mm. getting everybody in the same room is a possibility again. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I want to keep creating like original content like this for both YouTube and the subscription site. I want to be able to uh, keep building and, you know, have these twice a week releases. Uh, we're also going to do something pretty unique for the finale of this mm. next week haven't uh fully ironed out the details yet but there's whispers that we may be doing it live we'll do it live i don't want to say how he did it but we'll do it live <laughs> <laughs> he said it he was wilding man he was wilding you know r.i.p man he's, he's not dead i know he's not dead but he's he's, he's, he's tv jobless. dead he's yeah, dead yeah. tv dead that's yeah. what i really meant i know he's not dead dead but like you know yeah. He's TV dead. You think Conrad will cut to that? Nah, probably not, right? Mm. That, that was me reminding him that he probably should cut to that. Sure. All right, good. All right, well, I also am looking forward to this. You, I'm forgetting some names that were in there, but there was also some, uh, uh, you know, a survivor. Tyson, Tyson yeah. was in there. And then I believe there was also like a Twitch, like big name, big gamer on Twitch. I, I'm, I'm, her name is slipping. Yeah, she played Hearthstone. I yeah. can't recall her name either. Yeah, but she, she was gangster. She almost won the whole thing. Uh, oh. Sorry, but she does. She 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 goes on to make a good show. OK, let's talk about a new show that you have been working on. I see you grinding the lab at home. Just like looking at old footage, can't even see any stats, can't see no chip counts. And you're producing a, almost a brand new show with chip stacks, with stats, with analysis, with graphics with you're fucking doing play-by-play -play and analysis like <laughs> leave some of us with a job man god damn yeah it's uh it's been fun um 2020 hindsight on poker go mm -hmm. it's kind of just like a flashback to old wsop stuff um we let pigtails get their hands on it mm -hmm. and they effectively just turned it into detail from espn so a lot of freeze frames. Wow. A lot of. I mean, that's kind of the template they followed. You, you know. know how, you know how it started, right? Detail. Kobe. That's right. Yeah. All right, paper Kobe, man. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's a lot of freeze frames. It's a lot of uh, referencing push fold charts, ICM. Basically, just like taking a look back at what poker used to be through the strategy lens of 2020. So you you think you think the show will continue and. Like, will it be 
So for example, like detail has evolved into, you know, Peyton Manning was doing it, I believe at yeah. some point. Uh, so, and that, that became like a pretty nice, a pretty nice product. Do you think that's something that can continue? I know that there are, you know, some talks that, you know, after season one of 2020 hindsight, the, there could be another season. Yeah. Uh, what do you think will that look like? Maybe it'll be some cash games. Do you think it'll stay in the main event vein? What do you think? I mean, it's kind of up to them, right? They have such a large library of past footage that they pretty much can pull anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to do it again if asked. Uh, if not, like, I think there are a lot of other people who would do a pretty good job of it as well. Nah, man, not a lot of people could do play-by-play -play and analysis at the same time. You think Nick Shulman could just do play-by-play -play and analysis and be hyped? He's not hyped. Like, he's super calm. Like, he's like, yeah, you know, Ali, it could go either way. <laughs> Some of the best players there might check. But he went for it this time. And not nice pot there. Nice pot there. You know? That's how that's how it is. I could do it, man. I've been in the booth. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, honestly, like, it's pigtails that makes me look good. Like the very first episode, they weren't involved. And I think that the change from ep one to ep two is absolute night and day. Uh, I'm really proud of like the product that they put out. And, you know, worst case scenario, like we have a template moving forward where this is something we can do less the the actual poker go footage. I would love I would love to see something with some cash games, because I think that'll provide a very unique aspect, um, you know, where it's like maybe you're reviewing some high stakes poker. You know, that seems like yeah. like a pretty fun one. You reviewing some Durr hands. The old Poker After Dark would be interesting. Uh, like the Poker After Dark cash games. Yeah. Just because I feel like they were a little bit more talented than the high stakes. Ooh, wow. I mean, it's weird Shots to say. Shots Daniel Negreanu. Daniel Negreanu was in every season. Yeah, but like. He wasn't on Poker After Dark that much. I don't even know if he was on at all. That's what I'm saying. See where, you He's see? He's a stars guy. Uh -huh. Yeah, but like my whole point is that. Uh, so the, you're saying the Full Tilt guys were like kind of way better. Just say how it is, man. No, well, there was no. There was only Daniel on stars, mm. right? There was nobody else. I don't know. Not at that time. I think uh, Jason Mercier. Eventually, Mercier got yeah. signed, but yeah. like, we're talking about what 06 to. Yeah, it was probably a very small maybe. roster. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I just have a skewed memory, but I just remember the the high stakes game or the uh sorry the high stakes cash games being like pretty fucking out there. On which show? Uh, dark no no no. The, on, on high stakes poker high stakes poker yeah. yeah they were they were yeah there was a lot of good games. you could tell they were getting paid by the hour <laughs> yeah yeah they were getting a nice they were getting a nice check uh yeah the poker after dark games it, they were just dominated by dur a lot of dur ivy and uh antonius that, yeah that was that was like a, right that's yeah. what i'm saying those guys were very talented yeah, yeah i'm not so sure that like you know no no offense to guys like Elia Lezra and David Benjamin and Brad Booth and stuff, but they were spots. You know what I mean? Like they were wild. Wow. 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 Go were, ahead. Talk. Were they not? Talk, talk, man. I'm just, you know, you said a lot of things this last two sentences. First of all, you said they were talented. You were like, oh, yeah, they were very talented. And now you're like, these guys are spots. You're going hard well, I'm today. I'm speaking man. in the past. So mm -hmm. the, the words is applicable. But like, yeah, I think they're the high stakes poker games. And it's like, there were a lot of fucking spots. Like, you know, just on down the line, if you look at the old guard, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, what I would consider to be some of the best players in the game back then. Um, you know, I guess like Ivy played the high stakes poker games mm -hmm. sometimes. And I guess Antonius was in there sometimes. 
who I think was very good. Uh, young young up and comers like Durr, Galfond, and uh, Galfond played only for like a couple episodes though. Right. Yeah. Right. And he got and he lost a lot. Yeah. yeah. So it's like outside of that, you know, we're really looking at like Brunson and mm-hmm. Granu and Greenstein and a lot of Daniel. Yeah, and it, yeah. I mean that's great. Daniel mm-hmm. was definitely winning in those games for sure. But like theoretically, because he got buried every season. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, at the same time, like he specialized in MTTs and mixed games. Mm. So it's not like as if he was uh, you know, mashing these fucking lineups the right. way that like Adur or Ivy or, Well there was a lot of Antonio also at the time. Yeah. There was uh very splashy though, and like the spots mm-hmm. were real spots. Like it was like Guy Liberté, right, 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 and like you know these these huge, huge, huge. So Brunson was probably crushing. Like he was probably like one of the better players. He was my favorite player at the time, and let me tell you, the the way he was crushing was sitting there waiting for kings. Yeah, but that's that's a profitable strategy. When, sure. Well, you if you open, you're going five ways. Sure, like. but it's not like much to analyze. But yeah. like I feel like the full tilt games being six max and being a little bit on the younger side of things were a lot more competitive. Like, there was a lot of Howard Letterer though in that, in those lineups well, too. Well, those are the tournaments though. I don't know that he played a ton of the cash. Yeah. yeah maybe the, he did. Yeah. Maybe he, there was, there was a lot of Howard Letterer. There was a lot of Phil Helmuth. But I think like Helmuth was the spot in a lot of those lineups. Yeah. I mean, he kind of was, you know, you know, that's what I mean. Like to me, like seeing Ivy Durr and a couple other of the, the bigger names actually being forced to battle. That's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and I mean, even today, if you put that lineup on TV, like, I'm tuning in. Like, yeah. if you put Antonius, Durr, and Ivy on TV today, yeah, like, playing, I don't care what they play. They can play 25-50. Like, I'll, I'm, I'm watching, you know, because they're just so iconic. And, and I still think you'll get some, some like, pretty out-of-line stuff and, and pretty gangster stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I think it would be fascinating, you know. I guess I'm pitching to... You know the the poker heads, the poker go heads that watch this show every week, and and I'm telling them like, hey, I think there's a good idea. You know, Berkey's a high stakes cash game player as well as a high stakes MTT player. So season one could be MTT, season two could be high stakes cash. Seems fair enough, right? Sure. What do you think? Sounds good to me, man. But just tell them what you want. <laughs> just tell them you want. Tell them what you want, man. I mean, I I'm just I'm very open. Like to me, I just want to do good content. I don't have like this specific agenda that I want to accomplish. Which is your Which is your favorite episode of all the episodes you've done on twenty uh, twenty twenty hindsight? It's not out yet, but it'll be the two thousand twelve main event with Greggy, Jesse, and uh, Balsinger. Wait, is that his last name? Balsinger. Yeah, yeah, yeah Balsinger. Yeah. Uh, that three That three handed match is just like every hand matters. Yeah. It's really, really impressive. There was a there was a, a a moment in time where Bossinger took to chip lead three three handed. It was very it was very small, but it was a there was a small moment in time. I remember that very well. I think it was it, was, it wasn't the chip lead. He got to second of chips. Hmm. All right. Well, you know, obviously uh, it was very he long do- time. yeah he was he wowed out like right away with Ace Jack versus Jesse who had kings, and Bossinger like three bet Jesse flats and then he just like goes off on a nine high board twice. And Jesse kind of cripples him, or not cripples him, but like takes uh, like a third of his chips. Mm-hmm. And Jesse padded his chip lead. Um, but then shortly thereafter, uh, Cooler came up where Jesse had nines and Jake had jacks and fully doubles through Jesse, putting yeah. him second in chips. Greggy still being a pretty big chip leader. It was Greggy's year, man. 
won the six max then won right and won the main event it's hard to do very hard to do 10k six max doesn't even exist anymore he'll go, he'll go down and benba uh, did something similar 2011 the year prior just the year yeah. prior won the 10k six max and then gets third in the main event it's different though winning winning is just different I guess, man. I don't know. It's Bemba, just different. Bemba's 2011 year for Player of the Year was one of the most impressive runs that I think I've seen. Yeah, he's a good, he's a, he's a good dude. And then yeah. Greggy just like kind of makes it look less impressive by doing the exact same thing the following year because he won. That's the difference. Well, right. You got to like, win the main event. Nobody remembers second. Stay hard. <laughs> Nobody remembers. Sure. Okay. Like either you're a winner or you're a loser, but, Berkey. But. I don't think you remember Benba's year. It was... I don't remember. I was barely in poker. I'll it was remember. one year prior. <laughs> yeah, but like it was different, okay? I'll tell you why it was different, right? When Russell Thomas made the final table, it brought like a whole new group of, of like young kids because Jay Carver was involved. And Jay Carver brought all the run it up warriors to watch everything. That's how I met That's you. That's your experience, maybe. There's probably a thousand kids like me. That just maybe. like, bro, there, you don't understand Jay Carver's power at the time. I mean, maybe, but you his have to thing remember. Was, his thing was, that show that you that you guys made where you were like poker enthusiasts. Remember that? Final table, yeah. And that's what you said. You're like, you're a poker enthusiast. That yeah. was your line. Yeah, it was funny. It was all right. <laughs> and then that was on national television. That was on ESPN. Not my episode. Not your episode. But like, <laughs> but like they, they, they cut. Like little little yeah, things, yeah. And, and they put it on ESPN. That that was a big deal. There was a huge following behind Run It Up there. So that's why Greg, Run It Up wasn't even a thing yet. Yeah, it wasn't the no, was it? No. Wow, it was just like a. It was just like Jay Carver, mm -hmm. like just follow Jay Carver. Yeah. Nah, he, I think it was a year prior to Ultimate Poker being a thing. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it was crazy because Jay Carver made a deep run that year too, and then that's how they got together, yeah. and then yeah. Um, and then brought you into the mix, you know. Yeah. Playing, playing. Bemba got like somewhere between first and third in the PLO high roller, which at the time I think was a 10K, but it may have been a 25K. Max late regs the 10K six max immediately thereafter, wins it, and then runs deep in the main event and gets third. Those were his final three tournaments of 2011. Maybe he was stuck before that, and then, and then just like crushed. impossible. I mean, he was, and like, they were huge back then. Like winning the 10k six max was a million dollars. Now winning it is like 350k. It doesn't even exist anymore. 10k six max. It does. I thought they changed it to 5k. No, there's a 10k. There's both. Oh. There's always been both. Oh, okay. I never played the 10k six max. You know. Play it every year. Don't do well. Well, you know. Whatever. I thought you were gonna say. So is that so that episode with Greg Merson? Is that episode number? Which episode number is that? It'll be the last one, six. It's not right. out yet. Right. So as so of, the next as of this podcast coming out, uh, five or four. My notes yeah. say Berkey yeah, cut yeah. to promo episode four. Episode four will be coming out tomorrow. Here you go. Right. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> what do you? Okay. So what do you think about? Like I was listening to uh, Eric Thomas yesterday on my, uh, you know, hit. I was doing some hits yesterday. Mm -hmm. You know, thirty on, thirty off, and. Speaking of hit, I want to start boxing. Boxing? Like, just, just as a training mechanism. I don't actually want to box. But I used to kickbox in high school, and it's a fantastic workout whenever yeah. you have somebody who's a good trainer. Uh, you did, like, what? Like, Club KO? I don't know what that is. That's no, trash. I literally, <laughs> That's I trash. literally uh, was a member of a gym that was in a fucking basement. This is no joke. It was in the basement of a department store. It had, like, 
the like when I say this is a dungeon, I mean it was a fucking dungeon. It had like a swinging light to fucking light the gym. Damn, that's where you build them though. That's where you build those hard people though. Yeah. Yeah, the 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 owner of the gym was a former Green Beret. He was like 5 foot 6, just pure and utter chiseled redneck. Mm. His name is Art Wiggums. Uh, Art Wiggums sounds crazy. Yeah. Full full flowing mullet. I mean like just a mullet like you've never seen before. Just the the hickiest white guy you've ever come across who would fucking end your life if necessary. <laughs> But honestly, he was like the coolest dude on earth. Like, obviously, wasn't gonna make money from the gym. Our town was two thousand total people. Yeah. But he he recruited like all the high school kids down there. He would run kickboxing classes like at like four p.m. after school, a couple days a week, and he would never ever ever push anybody to do it. Right. Mm. Like it took me forever to start getting involved. He just every once in a while, I'd be like, "You want to hit the bag?" It's like, "Nope, not at all." All right, fine. And then, you know, every now and again, he'd come back, he'd come up with the pads and just like, you know, bop you in the head a little bit and you get a little pissed because you're seven inches taller than this guy. You ever done any like any sort of fighting, like trained fighting? No. It's fun though. I, I've done I've done a little bit of like MMA. It's 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 a fun it's a fun environment. It also like builds a little bit of uh I know you're big into the building of character, you sure. know. Yeah. Um it builds something because like you really suck at first. Like you really, you really fucking suck and you get like your ass kicked. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, yeah. With like kickboxing, it was, it was humbling to like not have the combos mm-hmm. and you know, the, he, he's obviously an expert. So like him holding the pads, he runs the risk of you missing the punch and hitting him. Yeah. And like, he would just swing back <laughs> like with the pads, you know, it's like you threw the wrong combo. He just bop you in the side of the head and like you would learn the hard way pretty yeah. quickly. Yeah. No, that's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I did a little bit of uh like some MMA and like a little bit of like rolling in jujitsu and stuff like that, as well as like a little bit of like boxing and stuff. Uh but when you start like rolling with people that actually have been rolling before, you they're they're you fucking you're done. Yeah. Like, first of all, you know you're going in there and you know you're done. Yeah, right? Yeah. Because you try to get out. And like, like turn your hips because that's how they train. Like, oh, you, you hip turn and they just know what you're going to do. And you're just like suffocated again. And then when you have like a big fucking guy that's hairy on top of you sweating and you can't breathe, it is the worst feeling ever. Like you want it to just end. Yeah. Right. But it doesn't. Yeah. And it just, you just suffocate. You can't breathe. These, are, then- these are the scenarios where I'm soft. So for whatever reason, I have no idea what this fear goes back to, but I go into full-fledged panics whenever uh, like, I feel like I'm being suffocated in any sort of capacity. Mm. So like, close it, like I'm not that claustrophobic, but like super enclosed spaces, I have a very difficult time uh, not going into panic. Something as simple as being in a pool and just repetitively being splashed in the face by water I freak out a little bit. So like this, like rolling to me sounds bad because like I would just forever tap. Like I'm not gritty in this type of scenario. I don't want to do it. Yeah. And I don't want to like get to a point where I could inflict this pain on somebody else. Like I hate it. I hated wrestling like with my older cousins and and uncle whenever I was a kid. I, I hated it. I hated whenever like adults would just like fuck around with me. 
I couldn't stand it. Like I would just immediately panic. Even if they were just like messing around and put me in a headlock, I would freak out like just like losing it. I don't know That's why. That's crazy. That's I've crazy. always been this way and I've uh, you know, I just lifted weights and got big so nobody would fuck yeah, with me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just like you you want a, you want a headlock? <laughs> you want a headlock? That's crazy. No, I mean, it, there's something about it though. There's something about uh not the I mean, yeah, the discipline of course, but also just like the fact of like sucking at something yeah. that like takes a lot of work and then like becoming like slightly better at it over over a long period of time uh because you know it it like it hurts like especially things that hurt like things that hurt like weightlifting like it hurts like it's not that it like it's not gonna cause you like but like yeah it's not like it's it's fun but it's not like you're not there like having a a jolly old time like just like you know things are burning you know like um so so yeah, everything that that involves like a little bit of pain, you know, to get to a certain point. But then I think it becomes like something that's kind of nice because like, you know, even yesterday I was like, I did ten minutes of walk, twenty five minutes of hit, fifteen minutes of walk, and that twenty five minutes of hit, that tests you a little bit. But that, then it feels like, I don't know if the next motherfucker behind me is going to do this twenty five minutes of hit. Yeah. You know, that's gonna take. That's gonna take after doing like you know arms or whatever like at home so do you ever feel like that both in like your life or like poker weights anything like that where it's like you always kind of say like yeah i did this and now like i'm at a certain point and you remind yourself like when you're struggling like oh but i did all of this kind of thing it's hard for me to reflect back like that like i think largely what happens as you progress in anything be it a sport or a mind game or whatever the case may be you're just constantly elevating your floor. Mm-hmm. And so like it's difficult to look back and say like, oh, this is where I came from. Because really like all you're trying to do is make your floor somebody else's ceiling mm-hmm. and constantly make them keep looking up at you, whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, and I think because of that, there's this eternal or internal struggle where, um, you know, like you and I could go to the gym and do some cardio. Mm-hmm. And if you keep up with me, suddenly I don't feel good about the fact that you're doing better. Mm-hmm. I feel bad about the fact that I've regressed below my previous floor, mm-hmm. right? Because like you're probably not keeping up with me necessarily because you've gotten your wind up and you're good at this particular thing that we're doing. It's mostly because like I've been mailing it in mm-hmm. or I haven't been doing enough to continually progress. Like the gap should be wide enough such that the only way we meet in the middle is if you're working your hardest and I'm working my most efficient. Mm-hmm. And because so like, of the, because of the many years. Yeah. 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 So it's like, and when, when that happens, it more so is a reminder of like, you're not doing enough than it is like, you can relax now because you've done so much in the past, but that's good. I think that's kind good. of, yeah, I think that's good. Like I, it's also kind of sick. Yeah. But it's like, it, it kind of chin checks you a little bit where it's like, Hey, like, Stay hard. 10 a.m. You know what time it is. Time to stay hard. Sauna's already popping off. Heat stress. Heat stress is the best breakfast. What y'all think Berkey's doing right now? We're going to check.
or if you're still sleeping. Stay hard. Get in the sauna real quick. Heat stress is the best breakfast. Hope you're on the other side of the pillow. Stay nice and cool, darling. Yeah, but it's like this, it's this, don't get me wrong. I think it's a good framework to operate from, but it's also like this, uh, I guess you're fighting against time where you just refuse to acknowledge that certain things are going to decline mm -hmm. and it's a hard thing to accept. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're not going to like, once you reach a certain age, like, if you, you know, when you're 50 years old, you can't. Yeah, just... but like, I don't necessarily believe that. Oof, man, I mean, it's just like. I mean, I, I see why you think that. Like, there's a lot of people like, you know, like Peter Atia that like he's training for, you know, what he can do when he's 90. Right. You know? uh, and also like to that vein, it's like I also just don't believe that I can't get lean ever. Like, I don't believe that I can't get to 10 percent. I I'll just tell you why I'm you can't trying. get lean, Berkey. Tell me. Because I see you eating peanut butter and chips at night. Lately, yeah. I'm fucking on quarantine with a bad back. I, I got, that's when you even decrease that's that you should be decreasing calories when you're off i'm aware of what i should be doing i'm just letting you know man i just don't want to because i'm getting my <laughs> head kicked in i get it man. And my back hurts <laughs> that's what i'm saying you know so you got to stay a little bit harder you know you got to be out there decrease the calories that's it and then you be i'm lean. hungry yeah i get no it, the problem is is that Honestly, it's it's a byproduct of what I was working towards before I hurt my back. Yeah, you were bulking, right? Yeah, I was increasing calories mm -hmm. and starting to to train for for strength and endurance, and then suddenly, like, I just can't move. Yeah. So I'm supposed to go from eating three thousand calories a day to like thirteen hundred, and it's like I've gotten it down to like twenty two hundred, and I'm still hungry, <laughs> and I'm not eating like the cleanest twenty two hundred right now. You know what's interesting about food? Is that I was doing a lot of research on like, you know, the calories in calories out matter. And that's true. But certain certain foods have like a high like a higher thermogenic effect. Yeah. Which then like continues to burn calories like while you're digesting that food. Right. So like, you know, having like a whole grain uh, oats or, you know, whole grain bread is like way different than like white bread or like fries or whatever. They're just like you just, you just got the complex carbs versus simple carbs. No, I mean, well, it, it involves with a lot of things like a lot like is it. Calories are not all the well, same. Well, car carbs is the easiest one to point to yeah. because uh, simple is the one with the the lowest mm -hmm. thermodynamic. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is definitely true of fat and protein as well. It's why it's why the ketogenic diet works so so functionally well. Mm -hmm. uh, fat's just like something that the body has to kind of allocate whenever you consume it. It's not it's not where it's just like oh. I know precisely what to do with this right now. Like send it through the pancreas, turn it into energy and let's rock. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not that easy. Really carbohydrates are the only thing that the body um, either utilizes immediately or shifts into a store. Yeah. I've been a big fan of uh, if it fits your macros. I think it's a good diet. I think it's a, uh, it's, it's, easier. I gotta tell you, I, it's fine that it's easy. It's ludicrous to me to see you, fucking throw away three egg yolks and then eat two slices of bread. It's just the most insanely maddening thing. Can you, can you, the, it's whole grain bread. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a shit. It's whole it grain. still has 87 fucking ingredients. It's still bread at the end of the day. 
And you're just like chucking egg yolks. Like this is the most ludicrous thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, and it's just like a shrug. Like, oh, it's my macros, bro. Listen, man, you have to, I hit 170 grams of carbs, 120, sorry, 175 grams of protein, 125 grams of carbs and 50 grams of fat. If I have all those eggs, then I'm, then I'm over my fat. Can't but, do it. But I'm to do, always going to keep doubling back to this. Mm-hmm. Where are those numbers derived? It's a certain ratio that you want to keep as well as like hitting a certain calorie deficit. Based on what though? Like what my average uh, like maintenance stage would be. And I have to be under that. But the, the, you understand that something is generically being applied to your specific scenario. What do you mean generically being applied to my specific scenario? Okay. So yeah. So it's a generic template that is being applied to you specifically. Those two things don't coincide. Why do you think it's generic though? Because if I were trying to accomplish the same goals and mm. went to your same guy, he would give me the exact same template. Not necessarily. Yes, no. he absolutely would. Why? Because you can't tell me where these numbers are derived from. Well, we get like, okay, we just play. You, you play with the numbers in the beginning. You're just like, okay, are you losing weight under these? Not, or are you maintaining weight? But that's these? just calories in, calorie out. Weight, weight gain and loss is simply going to be a calorie deficit. Yeah, so you maintain a calorie deficit. Then what? I'm asking you where the macro breakdown is being derived from. Why is it 175, 130, and 50 instead of just even across the board? Or an influx of fat as opposed to protein? Or an influx of carbs? As, as I don't know. That's why I pay people for This it. is the point that I'm trying to make. Why would I care about that? Because, you're being, just, because wanna, I'm arguing you're being duped. You're throwing away egg yolks to eat bread. I'm throwing away egg yolks because it has to fit my macro. Based on something that somebody who's unqualified is telling you. But why do you say they're unqualified? Because he's giving you the same template that he would give anybody. That's not true. Yes, it is true. If you go to a trainer who knows very little about nutrition but knows something more than anybody else and say, my goal is to lose fat and gain muscle, he's going to say, okay, I want you to eat 60% protein, 30% carbohydrates, and 10% fat or 25% carbohydrates, 15% fat. Okay, and what's wrong with that? It doesn't mean anything. It's not derived from any science. But who knows? Maybe it is derived from science. I don't know. I haven't done that research. It can't. I don't read the science papers. Right, but it can't be. It can't be derived from science because you can't generically apply anything to the human population nutritionally. Okay. Outside of the fact, but then you, you outside just, of the fact that there's a difference between clean macros and dirty macros. Okay. That's the one thing we can universally apply. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That there is a significant benefit to eating whole food mm-hmm. as opposed to synthetic food. Yeah, I agree That's with That's like that. the only thing that we really know at this point. So then how would you... Okay, so... So you, my point is, so at the were, end of the day, if that's the only thing we know, mm-hmm. and we're exchanging a whole food like egg yolks for a synthetic food like bread, to me, there's or a oats. fundamental problem. Or oats. Yeah. oats. Oats would be different. That's not synthetic. That is a whole food. But still, the exchange is my problem. Mm-hmm. I don't see any reason to be throwing away a part of a whole food and then exchanging it for something else. So what if it was like potatoes instead of the, then you're fine with it? I would, I would be more fine with it because at least it would be a reasonable uh, exchange. But my, my bigger issue is just that like, there's no way there's too much fat in six eggs. That's not hitting your 50 grams for the day. But then I can't have anything else. But what the hell is the, the anything else? Anything. Like anything that you might have during the day, like maybe some meat that has some fat in it. Sure. So like you might go over your 50 grams now. I, I think it's pretty improbable 
to go over 50 grams of fat having eight ounces of meat and six eggs. No, you do. I don't think, man. Yeah, man, you do. Eight yeah. ounces of meat is going to be sub 20 grams of fat. No. Okay. I've been grinding the fitness pal, man. It's going to go. You're going to go over like that. How many, how many, how much fat do you think is in eight ounces of meat? All right, man. I would say. You're making me do it. Okay. I'm pretty confident that like eight ounces of bison is 24 grams of fat or fewer. Bison, bison is special because it's lower, but. It's all the same. You can always get the same ratio. If you get ground beef, you can get 90, 10. All right. Look, I'm going to do six eggs. I'm going to tell you how much it is. I know how much it is. Go ahead. It's It's 21. Well, no, sorry. It's sorry. Three grams of fat for each egg, right? I plugged in egg whites. Yeah, sure. So with six, you have 28.5 grams of fat. Okay. Okay. So you're, you're already almost there. You're, you need 20 grams more and you're done. Okay. Okay. So like, I like to give myself some flexibility throughout the day. But isn't that that's good? But twenty two gram twenty two grams of fat twenty eight point five right plus another twenty two from whatever other source you choose to consume right that's going to be about a serving of meat. Okay, so that's good. Right, so that's that's the whole point I'm getting at. If you're throwing away half of that fat, where now you're only eating fourteen. Mm-hmm. Where's the excess fourteen coming from? And Everything also, else you eat to that's one meal. There isn't you're fat, having like four meals that isn't in a lot of things outside of animal products. I don't know. I somehow hit 50 grams every day. Right. And that's what I'm trying to say is like how much of it is coming from clean stuff as opposed to a uh, quest pizza. No, like a, you could have first of all, that quest pizza was very good. And I only had it once and you had half. Of it. it was very good. Okay. But it's not something. Shout that out to quest like. pizza. If you, if you want to sponsor us. Send us some Quest pizza. I promise I will eat the fucking pizza right here. Listen, I'm not even criticizing the the way that you eat or anything along those lines. What I'm getting at is... Uh, It doesn't sound like that at all. I'm not. I'm being (laughs) critical of of where it's derived from. Mm. I think it's very important to have some sort of conceptual why because the whole thing is like, if you're willing to be a test dummy, fine. That's fine. But what feedback loop are we measuring by? Results, man. That's it. Right. 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 But like, I don't think you understand how much trial and error is necessary in order to get results that you desire. Everything's going to have a trial and error process, right? But how long, how long are you willing to stick with a diet plan and a training regimen before you have to have X results? And what are X results? I am not qualified to do that. I let the people in charge. So this is what I'm saying. If they're saying, okay, but this is what I'm saying. Every week you have to be qualified, but why? Because you are the one who is seeking the results. Yeah, but if 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 everything's going as planned according to the person I'm paying, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, you're hitting this metric. Good. Okay, these pictures look good. Improvement. Good. Why am I going to change it? Well, you understand that he's paid to tell you that these things are good. No, just tell me if they're not good. Why would it's fine if it's not good. If, if t- I see if, if he I, tells you that they're not good and you've been doing what he's been telling you to then do, then we just change the strategy. That's on him though. Yeah, that's fine. I'll be like, "Okay, let's change the strategy." Like, it's fine. Why would he want to do that? Because why wouldn't he just want to commit to 20 weeks of you doing what he perceives to be correct and then reevaluating then? Yeah, but that seems like you have like that at that point, it just seems like you have an untrustworthy person. But that's what I'm getting at is that fitness experts are untrustworthy people. Yeah, but they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Almost everybody. That seems a little unfair. No, it doesn't. It would be like saying like, oh, like you're a poker coach and like. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, if, if I'm not winning... The then vast like, majority know. of poker coaches are certainly unqualified to teach. That's fair. That's fair. The same applies to fitness. Just because a guy is able to trim himself down to get into bodybuilder competition doesn't mean that he can now extrapolate that out to you. I feel like... Who hurt you, man? 
Like who hurt you? My problem is <laughs> like, my problem is that people claiming themselves to be experts based on the fact that they had own personal success. Like I think a great example but like what okay, like what then would be a, like if you if you have personal success and you have clients that have had success and you have a strategy and that strategy is working, what like what who else do you, you want? Who would you rather trust? Somebody who's trained to be a bodybuilder or somebody who's studied in in the science? Ideally both, of course. I don't think both at all. You rather have so I would want the bodybuilder to coach me mm-hmm. and to ensure he was my accountability partner, mm-hmm. but it's not even remotely close. I want somebody to run a plethora of tests on me and tell me what's optimal. Yeah, I want Peter cool. Tia to give me my diet regimen. Mm-hmm. I don't want Jay Cutler to. Because mm-hmm. what the fuck does Jay Cutler know about me? Yeah, that's true. Right? So it's it's the same thing. Like if I was going to if if I were a professional baseball player and I need help with my swing, I don't want Barry Bonds. I want Barry Bonds as hitting coach. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. But Barry Bonds would be pretty good. No, he wouldn't. I don't know. Man. No, he wouldn't at all. He wouldn't be able to help me at all. This guy has eyes like an eagle. Mm-hmm. He can't relate to me. He doesn't have the genetic failures that I have. So what you're saying is like most people in the industry are just like gifted. Yes. And they don't... They're, they're not... leaning into their strengths. Mm-hmm. And they've had a myriad of other people who are able to relate to their strengths and train them up. Mm-hmm. This guy doesn't know you from Adam. You're communicating via email or whatever the case may be. I don't know. No, man. I think it's going well. Of course you what, think it's going well. What do you well. want me to say? Of course you think it's going well. You're paying for it. You have to think it's going well. You no, have to but realize, I don't care about the money. I know you don't, but my whole point is that that's part of being committed. You have to realize that if this guy's operating a good business. Mm. He has 50 people just like you. No, he doesn't. How do you know? Because I know the roster. So it's two people? It's like five people. It's just, he literally only works with five people mm-hmm. and he pays his bills. Yeah, he has another job. This is what I mean. Like, I, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, why? Why would there be this high level of commitment without any other like layer of information? Like, the whole point I'm trying to get at is all he can do is guess. No matter what. He has no other but information everything available. Is, everything is a hypothesis, right? Everything is like this is what your this is what your basal metabolic rate is. This is what we need to cut. This is the strategy. Like that's all. All you're, gonna, you're always going to be testing, right? Your BMR is going to be variable though, based upon what your your yeah, like your, your environment yeah, lifestyle exactly. is. Your training and like and yeah, of course. Yeah, your 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 hormonal pattern, everything that is, or panel, everything that is going to be kind of variable in nature. So yeah, you have to constantly be testing and getting getting responses there but the point is is that i don't know this guy's background i have no idea who it even is but if he's not qualified in the realm of being a dietitian or kinesiology or you know has some deep level of understanding like if you told me your bmr i'm not qualified to do anything with it mm-hmm. and i know a fuck ton about nutrition and fitness it doesn't mean anything to me i'm not a scientist in that realm so like, so you think you need a scientist? I think you need somebody who specializes in being able to analyze that data and do something with it. Yeah, but you don't need a fucking scientist. No, <laughs> like, but you need a you need a proper data analyst. And I don't think that anybody who's a I think we need to go back is. to the David Goggins. You know, you just fucking go, man. You just go. Now you want to get intellectual right. with it. No, but that I agree with. And if you just go, you're not being so nitpicky that you're throwing away egg yolks. No, 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 no. You have to, you have to. I see what I see. That was a nice trick. Okay. That was a <laughs> nice that was a nice fucking trick. Okay. It wasn't a listen, trick at all. Listen. 
You follow the strategy. If the strategy is not working, you move the strategy. So far, the strategy is working. So we're going to keep moving. And the, then the once problem I, hit, I have with following a strategy blindly is whenever it's not developed out of anything tangible. But that's not it's hard. A think lot about, of people think, follow these. A lot of people follow these right. that are very successful. Right. And by sheer volume, there will always be outliers who would succeed in spite of the strategy. Why do you think it's outliers? Like, okay, every, every, okay, so like. Because like, I've played poker for 15 or 20 years mm -hmm. and I see exactly this happening. Mm -hmm. People following a bad strategy where they're talented enough to be the outlier and still succeed. Or they're lucky enough to have variants hit them. I think it's hard to say that it's a bad strategy. I think we need to do more research, see if it's a bad strategy, right? It's like, but it's this like, is where I'm coming from, from my vantage point of having, you know, 25 plus years of testing. Mm -hmm. You're going to arrive to a point where it's just like, fuck, now I realize this test has failed and I don't know what to tweak. Mm. And now I'm going to trust this person who also doesn't know what to tweak, but is presenting himself as an expert is going to give me a suggestion. Do you know how many suggestions I've had from experts throughout the years of do this differently, do that differently, do that? None of them work mm. because I need somebody who's qualified to say like, okay, here's how your blood panel breaks down. These are the areas that you're susceptible. These are the areas that you're actually talented. Mm. These are what we can steer into. These are what we need to avoid. And here is a, a breakdown of some sort of plan of attack mixed with nutrition and fitness. And whenever you find that person, you'll realize it's never as rigid of eat these macros, eat this calorie consumption, work out this amount every single day, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It's so much more broad from the strategic standpoint and fine-tuned in the element of performance. Yeah, I don't need broad right now. What I need is... Well, you, you crave the structure. I need to just have what I could have, understand that the, that's what I can have, work out, and then maybe later I'll find Peter. Peter right. too. Maybe he'll come in. What I'm life. afraid of is what we were talking about on the onset of this is that that mind mindset of blind faithfulness leading to a point of either plateau or complacency where it's like, okay, I followed this rigid schedule for 16 weeks mm. and now here I am four pounds lighter and no happier than I was prior. I don't know about four pounds. We're supposed to be losing about 1.5 pounds a week. Okay. So... So say you do, say you don't. The whole point that, again, that like that to me, again, is another perfect example of how unfounded this this methodology is. Mm -hmm. Because like, sure, if you want that to be your average, that's fine. Yeah, it's a certain, it's a decent average. But that's not how it works. Well, why not? If you lose, if you're, if you're at, uh, at the end of the week, uh, roughly, right? Th like the average, you'll have high days, low days, and you've lost... You're at a 3,500 calorie deficit. You should have lost a pound. No, no. Why not? Because that's not how the body functions. People who say that, I would immediately disqualify as a snake oil salesman. The, but a the, lot the, of people say the, that. Right, and they're wrong. The person who says a pound of fat is 3,500 calories. David Goggins said that. I don't care. He's wrong. He's not a nutritionist. I would never go to him for nutrition advice. Okay, but I would then, go to him as a motivator. Okay, so then who? But he's dead wrong. So That's does, not the science behind it. Okay, so how does it work? The, the way it works is the body is a very, very, very complex system. And it's, it's just like poker. It's very chaotic in nature. A small change in the beginning doesn't necessarily equal a small change at the end. It could be a very large change at the end. So what happens is a 3,500 calorie deficit may now retool your hormonal panel such that your body is recognizing that it's, it's famine time. Mm -hmm. 
And you're in a situation now where it feels the need to preserve. So what you'll find if we start measuring other things like heart rate variability and blood pressure and all these other things that are indicative of what our current health is, is that if you're operating at this caloric deficit for an extended period of time, your body changes and adapts. Yeah. And through that adaptation, you're not losing a pound of fat anymore. You might be losing three-tenths of a pound of fat and maybe five-tenths or, or half a pound of muscle. And you might have these other changes that are taking place where now your energy zaps and all this other stuff that happens. So somebody who says like, oh, if we eat this deficit, we're going to lose X amount of weight over the aggregate. They're just fundamentally selling you bullshit. I don't know, man. There's so many people that just swear by this. Right. That's why it's a billion dollar industry. But how many people are fucking fat and out of shape Mm -hmm. by comparison to people who aren't? Like I'm your average guy who works really fucking hard to be 1% above average body. Like I'm nothing to marvel at when I take my shirt off and I bust my ass for decades. I think you should take your shirt off right now. No. <laughs> I think it, I think it'll be pretty fun. No. <laughs> I think the, the people want that. The the point I'm I trying think the to ladies want at, that. No right? they don't. The the point I'm trying to arrive at is flex the, a little bit. No. Like, the on, science man. is incredibly complex. And somebody who wants to distill it down to a simple metric of it's calorie in versus calorie out, and we'll lose X amount of weight over this time frame based on this methodology, is just simply selling you a ketchup popsicle. We'll see, man. I uh, I like where it's at. I think it's fun. I, I, I know think, you. Do. I think it's good, and I think it's good, man. I think it's fucking good. I I don't. I wouldn't even care if you continued to follow the r- routine. What I care about is that you're buying into the misinformation. I don't know if it's misinformation, man. I see a lot of really, really good people following it, and we'll see. I think that it's I don't fun. know what that means, but like, I, like I, think- I do know what I do know that if you reach out to Rhonda Patrick or Peter Tia or somebody that you consider to be an authority on health and diet and nutrition and fitness, and ask them if thirty five hundred calorie deficit equals a pound of fat loss you will get a very eloquent no. Well, it might not be a pound of fat loss per second, but a pound. It could be anything. Who knows? I'm not sure. You could lose a pound of water weight without ever being in a caloric deficit. Right. There's so many things in this mm. system that are are intertwined that aren't as simple as just eat less. Having a little bit of water probably gained 0.2 pounds right now. Probably. That's fine, though. Also, your goal is not weight. I know, man, but it's fine. You have to also lose. You have to lose the weight, too. Have to lose have the to weight. Convert the weight. Have to lose the weight and convert the weight. I think it's fine. I think I'm doing great. Yeah. I think you are doing great. I, I don't want to shortchange you from your progress. I, I'm just saying that I think that feels like it a little bit. But no, it's, it's I. Fine, this is a complete and utter attack <laughs> at whoever is giving you information, <laughs> no, not man. you. He's a good person, man. I like. I'm sure he's great. I just think he's very underqualified. I think you're getting the. It's Alec- fine to be underqualified. I'm gonna keep paying him. This I thing. think you're getting the Alec Torelli of personal training. <laughs> Nah, man. Nah, don't do that. He's a good dude. I like it. It's cool, man. Okay. You're just a little jealous. You want to train me. It's fine. No, I don't. <laughs> God, no, I don't. I really don't. Because like you're, <laughs> sure. you're so obsessed with the, the bodybuilder.com mentality that like I want nothing to do with it. 
Like the things that you regurgitate. You know what? Or like next listening... week I'm gonna come in with a little fucking watch too. You know? Let me see that watch. What do you got? This isn't a watch. Yeah, a little little. It's a wearable. Oh, uh, uh, what is it called? A wearable technology. I'm gonna bring a little watch too, and it's gonna have a okay. little heart rate variability. It's gonna have all the stuff. You know how many calories I've done today? You know. These things are important. Yeah, I'm gonna get it. I already have it. It's, it's coming Saturday. Delivered to the house. What What's the name of it? Apple Watch. Oh, so it doesn't have heart rate variability. I don't know. It, it has a lot, it has the stuff I want. You don't know what you want. I don't know what I You're want. You're not qualified to know. I, what that's why. And then I'm going to be in the group. Is going to be me, Max Silver. We're going to talk about our health, and we're going to be good, man. We're okay. going to be fine. We're going to okay. be fucking fine. All right. And then you're going to pay me twenty five thousand. I'm going to be like, oh look, this is what I, I, I made from my trainer. Abundantly <laughs> confident that I won't be paying you anymore. All right, man. That's fine. We'll see. You know. All right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed the show. There's a lot of different topics. We went from a 2020 hindsight to high stakes poker hand reviews to detail. Berkey thinks he's Kobe Bryant now and some health stuff. I hope you all enjoyed the show. If you have any comments about if it fits your macros, keto diet, sauna, Berkey's arms, anything you want, leave a comment below, subscribe, like, and we'll catch you next week for the finale of the soft wide vlogcast it'll be a fun show it'll be alive allegedly i'm not sure i'm scared but and then after that will be some announcements for season number two good night stay hard we out here in the sauna 10 a.m no breakfast sweating is the best breakfast you think the grind stops no. Still grinding multiple tables while sweating. Berkey's still sleeping. I hope you turn to the cool side of the pillow. Stay hard.